We'd like to thank our friends at PwC for their support, partnership, and collaboration in making Retail Gets Real. Learn more about how PwC helps retailers at pwc.com. Hi, Retail Gets Real listeners. As you all know, the coronavirus pandemic continues to develop rapidly. At NRF, our top priority is helping retailers protect their employees, customers, and businesses. We're coordinating daily with top government officials to get you the information and relief that you need. You can find these resources and receive daily updates at nrf.com. As we focus on delivering this timely information, we're taking a short break from the podcast. In the meantime, we thought you'd enjoy some of our favorite episodes from the last couple of years. We know this is a difficult time, but we are so proud to be a part of an industry that is on the front lines of helping people through this tough period, being creative and resourceful in supporting the communities they serve. Thanks to all of you for going above and beyond, and thanks for listening. We'll be back soon. There is always a hundred reasons why you shouldn't do something, and probably only one. Well, maybe a few more than that, but you know, a reason why you should, and it's that set, that sense of seeing that vision, walking towards it, and having the confidence. And along the way, you know, sometimes it's a very lonely road, success, and when you're building something. But then you start to gather an army, and they may be your team, and they may be partners, and they may be and your consumers. And you suddenly you look around you and you think, I made a difference. My voice counted. My product counted. And I've heard no more times in my life than I've heard yes, but I've always chosen to find a different way. I'm Bill Thorne from the National Retail Federation, and this is Retail Gets Real, where we talk with retail's most fascinating leaders about the industry that impacts everyone, everywhere, every day. Today, we're taking a journey of the senses with someone who's been called an English scent maverick and the woman responsible for creating some of the world's most loved fragrances, Joe Malone, creator of Joe Loves, among many other honors, including one from the Queen of England. She's also recently been named as a dreamer on the NRF Foundation's list of people shaping retail's future. Join us as we sit down with Joe to talk about how to build a brand consumers completely adore. Today, I'm happy to be joined by my co-host, my friend, and my colleague, Ellen Davis. Hello, Ellen. Hi. How are you? I am great. I am not an English scent maverick, but I'm so happy we're here with one. Well, I am too, and I'm really excited to get to learn about how this all came about. Joe Malone, welcome to Retail Get Thank Real. Thank you so much for having me. It's huh? so awesome that you're here. Thrilled to be here. You both smell very good, by the way. So it's a <laughs> good start. <laughs> I have to tell you a story. So this morning, we were in a, 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 I have a huddle in the morning with my team, and uh, they were saying, oh, yeah, she's, you know, she sense, she really knows sense. And I said, oh, God. I mean, what if she says, like, hmm, Bill, um, where have you been? <laughs> You've been diving around the dumpster? Um, but anyway, well, good. I'm glad. I'm, um, I'm, I'm British. I would never dream of doing something like <laughs> that. You just think it. Well, Joe, how did you get started in this business? I grew up in a family with two very creative parents. My father was a, a brilliant artist and my mum worked for Revlon, actually. She was a manicurist. So I grew up in a... It, I grew up on what we call the council estate, but you would call the projects. So there was very little money in our family. And from the age of 11, I knew how to make face creams and put oils together. And I knew how to take something, create it, make it, package it, sell it, uh, whether it be a painting or a cosmetic or a face mask. 
And so that's really how I got started. I would work the markets with my dad selling paintings. And then I would come home and on a Sunday morning, sit there and make face cosmetics with my mom. Oh, that's fantastic. I mean, is it something that when you were doing that, was it like, I'm going to do this the rest of my life? No, at the, at the time when I was that little girl, yeah. I, it was survival. It yeah. was, okay, we need the next meal. And it's really funny when I say that, when I go go around the world and I share this story, people don't believe that, but that's the truth. You know, it was, and I think a lot of businesses start from somebody or a family trying to survive. And so that was very much, but as I, as I got into my late teens, I left school at 15 with no qualifications and I don't have, um, you know, I don't have anything to my name as a CCSE, O-level, A-level degree or anything like that. But I think I knew there was something within me that was able to build. And with that, it gave me confidence. You know, along those lines, I mean, we always talk about mentors, people that really had an influence in your life. And a lot of people, you know, they have that, but they just don't recognize it and they need help Mm. having that recognized. Did you have anybody like that? or, Or are you providing that for others right now? I'm not a great mentor, uh, only because I'm very dyslexic and very controlling. So (laughs) I'm not sure that, but what I do do is go and share my story around the world, which is always a privilege to stand in front of anybody and share your story. So, but I think, I think it has to do a lot to do with confidence and that sense of finding what it is that you truly love and creating fragrance is not a business to me. It's not a a company or just a product. It's who I am. It's part of that creativity and that investment in creativity. And I may not have anything from a university, but I, I, you know, I built two global brands. So I must have learned something in between the cracks on the way. One thing that I find uh, in doing Retail Gets Real, and we've been doing it for a while now, but it's like everybody that we have on, no matter what position they have or where their start was or where they are today, the one thing that you always hear about, you see and you recognize is passion. Mm. Passion for what they do. Passion for the business that they have, the people that they serve, the people they employ. And it's just so refreshing. It's just fantastic. And I think it is kind of the foundation of success in retail. When I go around and share my story, the three things that it really comes down to is passion resilience, that fight in you, and the investment in creativity. And I think those three ingredients, if we could only encourage people to grab hold of them, it's not all the journey, but it makes the journey so much easier if you respect those things. So, Joe, you mentioned, and I'd love to talk more about this, but my, my question at the moment right now is about the confidence you had that you talked about when you were young. How did you gain that confidence given the background that you grew up with, right? Where you grew up in a situation that many people would describe as difficult in many different ways, how did you overcome that and 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 gain the confidence through resilience? I'd just I'd love to talk about the confidence first and then I'd really love to you to share your story with the retail gets real listeners about some of the obstacles that you've mm. overcome to be to get where you are. As I said, I'm severely dyslexic. So at school I was told I was lazy and I was stupid. Now I knew I was neither one of those things, but everybody else thought that. And it was, where did that confidence come from? I think a lot of it came from turning heart, heartbreak into something positive and finding, and the reason I share my story is I read so many stories and I still do today, you know, from the story of Jesse Owens to Coco Chanel to Florence Nightingale. We're all in the same boat. We're all, and yet these people took their life and took what they learnt and when nobody believed in them, They took hold of something and they moved it forward and then gave us a legacy Mm -hmm. that we still are able to share and talk about today. 
And I think that is what where that resilience and that confidence comes from is finding a way. There is there is always a hundred reasons why you shouldn't do something, and probably only one. Well, maybe a few more than that, but <laughs> you know, a reason why you should, and it's that set, that sense of seeing that vision, walking towards it, and having the confidence. And along the way, you know, sometimes it's a very lonely road success and when you're building something but then you start to gather an army and they may be your team and they may be partners and they may be and your consumers and you suddenly you look around you and you think I made a difference my voice counted my product counted and I've heard no more times in my life than I've heard yes but I've always chosen to find a different way and I think that is a lot of my upbringing is that resilience Mm -hmm. and and literally finding a way through. Well, and I wonder how much of that comes down to your point about survival, right? Where no can't be an option when you're trying to sell things in order for your family to be able to have enough to eat or when you're, mm. you know, you're you're trying to, you know, make a better life for your family um, where, you know, maybe you, you needed to become confident because no wasn't an option. Um, maybe that's where some of this came from. I don't know, but I think it's an incredibly inspiring story, especially, you know, in, in the context of, being able to have that confidence but not be in a privileged situation where that came naturally. I suppose that's one of the things I most admire about about that story. I think it doesn't matter. You know, for me, I would like to think, regardless of my upbringing, you know, sometimes we run away from our, from our, our upbringing or for me, it's part of who I am. Mm-hmm. And even today, you know, now that I, I go around the world and I'm so, I do so many amazing things, there is still that little girl within me that will look at whatever is left on the table and make a meal from it. And whether that's building a business or building a product, and isn't that the world we're living in right now, mm-hmm. is sometimes we're left with pieces on the floor. Entrepreneurs are great at picking up pieces, thinking differently, and thinking to themselves, what can we build? What can we create? And I think as retailers, we have a real responsibility to hand that sense of creativity and resilience to the next generation, which I know is something you feel passionate about, and I absolutely do, mm-hmm. that that baton of creativity and opportunity belongs as much to them as it does to us. Yep. Oh, boy. That is absolutely fantastic. <laughs> and the problem is I'm listening to everything that you say. I'm like, I can't ask a question. <laughs> this is too good. Um, I mean, it's really, I, you know, the question would be, what piece of advice would you give to somebody that wants to go out and says, you know, I do have that passion. I do believe in myself. I believe that I have a great idea. I want to be successful. I want to get this out. What do they do? What's the next step? You find the thing that you feel, it goes right back to what you said. You find the thing. I mean, listen, when you fell in love with it for the, for the first time and you, your very first kiss, do you remember that? Oh, That's right. I'm not going to ask you to relive it. Don't worry. But <laughs> we all remember our first Do you remember your yeah, first sure, kiss? sure, of course. You, we all remember our first kiss. And when you're building a brand, what you're doing is you're kissing that business for the first time. And when the consumer buys your product, he or she has to feel, you know what, I, this, is, this is a brand I want to be part of. This is a company. I believe in them. So that is what we're trying to create. It starts with passion, passion in your product. The next step is hard work. I mean, it's 98% perspiration, 2% inspiration. And I'm afraid that's the reality. You're going to have to learn to get grazed knees. You're going to fall down. People are going to say no. And that's where that warrior-like bit comes in, where you learn. Once you've learned resilience, once you've learned to stand up again and, you know, if you knock on a door and nobody answers, go around the back, find a ladder, dig a hole. Mm -hmm. 
you know, there's there's a hundred different ways of doing something. And I think when people see people building businesses and they try and they try and they try, suddenly they start to look at them with different and fresh eyes. And you build a resilient team, you know, teams of people that don't buckle at the first hard knock that comes along. And then the biggest one you invest is it's about everything I'm going to talk about is about the investment of creativity. We look at currencies today across the world. I mean, listen, our, our sterling's literally going, going down the pan as we speak. But when you invest in creativity, it never devalues. Mm. It only devalues when you don't use it. And I think when you lock those three things together and you help somebody build and you give them the inspiration that they need, that's when true happiness. And I think building businesses is great to be successful, but building a business to be happy is much more important because mm-hmm. it's much more long-lasting. Can we? You mentioned um, uh, having a warrior spirit, and I know enough about you to have read up on on many of the obstacles that you've overcome. And and I'd love for you to talk about that a little bit. But um, what about unpredictability? So you know, you've got a story that. I would love for you to share, you know, when you were, you know, a, a mother with a young son and running a business and had faced lots of uncertainty and unpredictability in your own life. Uh, would you share that? Sure. Because I think it's one of the most amazing stories of grit and determination that I've heard. And I think, um, I think it will really, I think it really benefits people. Before I, I go into, into talking about that, life has curved balls and some of us, and there will be a curveball that comes from nowhere. You didn't see it coming. You don't deserve it, but it comes and it lands in your lap. And mine was cancer. I presume that's what you're talking about. I was diagnosed with uh, breast cancer. I was, I just sold my business to Estee Lauder. Year, two years in, I was a young mom. I'd had my first little boy, son, who I literally worship. And, but I felt really tired and really exhausted the whole time. And I was on a shoot. I was in New York City, in fact. I was in New York City when I, when I found the lump. And um, the diagnosis was pretty catastrophic. They gave me nine months to live. And when you, when someone says that to you, I mean, I never thought that would happen to me. And I looked at my son and thought, I'm never going to see him grow up. I'm never going to see him go to school and go to university and get married, all those things. Your story, I know I can't. Why did I ask this question? Um, Especially <laughs> has a young side. I know. And this is, and this is why the story it, is. It relates. It does. It, it relates, but it relates to business as well. Mm-hmm. It does. I came to New York City. I went to the Memorial Sloak Kettering. I was under an amazing doctor called Dr. Larry Norton, and I was one of the first women to take chemo in very short spurts for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. And I came through, and I won. It was a, a war that I, I hope I never have to fight again. Yep. If I did, I... I'd come straight back to New York City, that's for sure. But it taught me so much about who I was. Mm -hmm. And my doctor had told me that you have nine months to live, you know, so get, get, you know, get ready. And I remember sitting back when someone told me that and thinking about all the times at school I'd been told I was lazy and stupid. And the time the bank manager said, no, you can't have a hundred pounds because you'll never build a business. Mm -hmm. Why on earth was I going to let somebody define? And it's such a lesson. Don't let other people's opinions define who you really are. Allow, allow your own dreams and aspirations. Mm-hmm. And I focused on building. I focused on getting through chemo, which was the toughest, toughest moment of my life. And I came through and I came through the other end. And I remember the most amazing Larry Norton, who I literally adore that man. He saved my life in, in so many ways. And he said to me, go back now and live your life. And I remember thinking, ooh, I'm walking a tightrope. Can I... 
and the chemo had taken my sense of smell. So the one thing I could do brilliantly suddenly wasn't there anymore. And I had to learn to almost smell again. I had to learn from scratch. Did I really want to go back into that industry? And it changed me. And I think when I came out of chemo and all of that, the treatment and the surgery, and it was one thing after another, it changed me. And when I went back into Joe Malone, that was probably one of the main reasons why I decided to leave because I couldn't relate to that business anymore. I could see she was safe in Estee Lauder's hands. And um, that's when I quit and I had it in my resignation. The biggest mistake of my life at that moment in time. Mm -hmm. And again, Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm chatting away here. Oh, no, I um, love it. <laughs> that, Just sit is, back, Bill. I've got another one, too. <laughs> this is such a lesson in life. Never make a life-changing decision on a bad day. Mm. Oh, because you never make a life-changing decision on a good day. Well, actually, you know, never jump off the edge of the cliff. And what I did was I made that life-changing decision based upon emotions and fear, something I'd never done in business, never. Mm-hmm. And... I was the last person to turn the key in the lock. I was the last person to walk out. And I sobbed all the way down the street mm-hmm. thinking, what have I done? Who am I? Who is Joe Malone now? Mm-hmm. You're never going to create fragrance again. You're never going to build. And I had a five-year lockout. So for five years, I had every day to think. And I tell you, in the last 48 hours of that five years, it was like, I'm coming back. It's like <laughs> being in creative prison. Yeah. <laughs> I'm miserable. What do you think? How old was your son when you were diagnosed? Um, three. Okay. So he was, I have a three-year-old, so let's not go there, right? But, but I have two young sons, which mm. is why this story is you know, particularly um, moving to me. But what do you, I'm sure that experience taught you a tremendous amount about yourself. What do you hope that it taught your son? I know what it taught my son. You know what, he, he was 18 a few day, days ago. And as a mom, I sat there just for a moment and realized what a privilege it was to be his mom. And I grew up on that counsellor's day and I was told I had no, you know, potential and whatever. And it just shows you what love, education, mm-hmm. resilience can do. And that young, yeah, young man in one generation, he's just been accepted into Harvard. Oh, my gosh. That's fantastic. And you know something? But every child deserves that. Yep. Every child deserves that opportunity. Not, not necessarily to go to Harvard, but to say, I love you. I believe in you. What did it teach him? It taught him that life is not easy. Mm-hmm. It taught him that sometimes life doesn't run in a straight line and we have to think differently. He is the most kind, caring, compassionate young man I've ever met in my life. Um, you get, I mean, I'm devastated. You're a very proud he's, mom for he, a good he's, reason. He's, he's going, but it's his dream. And one of the things that it's taught me in the last 10 years watching my, my amazing son grow up is I want to see every young person have that opportunity to find what it is they truly love and help them get towards that dream. That's amazing. Thank you for that. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. Well, thank you for everything. Um, I mean, this has been uh, absolutely fantastic, and I hate when we get close to time, but uh, regrettably, we are close to time. But we have a part of this program that you may not be aware of, Joe, and we call that Rapid Fire. One of our favorite segments on Retail Gets Real is Rapid Fire, thanks to our sponsor, PwC. So for this segment, we're going to ask you a question, and you're not going to think long about it. You're just going to answer with the first thing that comes to mind. So we're going to start off with Ellen. Favorite place to visit in the world? Parrot Key. Beatles or the Rolling Stones? Rolling Stones. 
What is always in your fridge? Cheese, eggs, milk. Beach or mountains? Beach. Best purchase you made under $100. Or 100 pounds or... (laughs) (laughs) My food blender that makes juices every morning. Excellent. Good one. Manchester United versus Manchester City. Which one? Is that football? Okay, <laughs> oh, gosh, I thought everybody. <laughs> no, sorry, I'm not a. Fo- I'm not. You know, it's at the Rolling Stones, though, right? Yes, well, of course. We got that. Yeah, that's good. Okay, how about this one? Uh, Coronation Street or EastEnders? Ooh. Coronation Street. There you go. Oh, I've got to go again. She's so good at this, so fast. <laughs> what am I supposed to ask her next? Um, wardrobe staple. Uh, black cashmere sweater. Favorite smell. Anything citrus, actually citrus and Betty Vera is my two favorite notes. All right, we're going to leave it at that. Joe, Thank that you. was actually, you probably rank as one of the best rapid fire responders it's that we've risky. ever had. Were you prepared? No, uh, well, I promise. So um, if anybody wants to know more about Joe Malone, where do they go? What's the website? Well, uh, JoeLoves.com. Uh, that's my new business. I started all over again from a kitchen table. Boy, was it a journey. Yeah. Um, and I've also written a book. So if you want to read the, the story of how I went from kitchen tabletop to um, global brand, it's, um, it's in a paperback, I think, launching in March. Launching in March. I was just going to say, there's a Barnes & Noble over on 5th. So, doggone it, i got to wait till March. But I'm looking forward to it. Thank Joe, you. thank you so much for joining us today. It's absolutely inspirational. Your story is fantastic. And I'm sure that there are people out there that listen today that are inspired by exactly what you said. Thank you. And Ellen, thank you so much for co-hosting. I always enjoy it, Bill. Well, I enjoyed having you. And we're going to post more information about the topics we discussed today on our website, retailgetsreal.com, where you can also find links to other episodes. Thanks for listening. And if you like Retail Gets Real, please tell your colleagues about the show or give us a rating on your podcast app. Have a good day. Thanks again.